Chapter 8. The First Snow The air in the cabin was brilliant. There was a flash to the light that told her it had snowed while she slept. The first snow. Aya! Pinch screamed, throwing off his rabbit skin blanket to run outside. Don't slide on the lake yet! Mama knew what he was up to and raced to the door after him to stop him from running straight out onto the ice. Although the cold was sudden and the snow had fallen thick and mysterious overnight, the water of the lake was still open, just past a skim of delicate ice on shore. Already the air was warming up a little, at least where the sun shone brightest. Mama was worried that Dede would not manage to make the crossing before the freeze-up. If he didn't, if he couldn't, he would have to wait in camp until the ice was solid and he and his men could pull their toboggans of stretched furs across to sell to the traders. Down the cleared path now, striding large, feather nodding in time with each long step came old Tallow. She held her long rifle loosely under one arm and growled her aheen at Omakaius as she trampled into the bush brush. Omakaius called back, and old Tallow's hand went up in an abrupt wave, though she didn't turn to look or certainly to smile. Her dogs followed at her heels, great and wolvish. The slinking yellow dog paused to turn and bare its broken brown teeth at Omakaius, but she crossed her eyes at him and couldn't have cared less. First snow day always lifted her out of her skin, made her feel sharp and alive. The snow, not deep softening gleamed in a white cover over all she could see each branch was nearly outlined and some still bore their leaves omakaius and angeline admired the intricate way that the snow trimmed the dried reeds of cattails and the brown furry heads were capped with tiny white mounds that made them look delicious minipoguan angeline pretended to bite take this not only was Pinch annoying, but he had good aim. Just as Omakaius turned, she caught a firm, packed snowball on the side of her face. The snow stung. Pinch had packed a little stone in it. The wet snow licked her neck. Omakaius ran at him without a word and threw herself on him, buried him face first in a mound of snow directly beside the path. Gago! Pinch howled and leaped up mad, packed more snowballs together, and set off after his laughing sisters. The, the more he ran on his short legs, though, the faster they galloped ahead. There was not a chance that he could ca would catch them. He knew it and finally stopped. He slumped down near the side of the path, muttering to himself and putting more snowballs together until he had a big pile. At the heart of each, he packed a stone. Stones, he hoped, would sting his sisters until they cried. The girls walked farther into the town, knowing Mama was busy, hoping she wouldn't miss them quite yet. It was exciting to live around other people again, and both of the girls wanted to find out if old friends had stayed to winter. They wanted to see if any new families had come to live near. Angeline was thinking of going to the Catholic Mission School, and she wanted to sneak by and see if anyone was there yet studying the signs and marks that the priest made with a soft white stick on the big black wall. They walked to the edge of the schoolyard and then stood outside in the clear air in the sun, breathing the fragrance of fresh wet snow and new bread, crusty and warm. 
The sing-song reciting voices floated from inside the log schoolhouse. Omakaius was glad they were outside, but Angeline's face was turned eagerly toward the sound of the priest's instructions. She was curious to know what was happening, but remembered Grandma's advice. Take their ways if you need them, she said, but don't forget your own. You are Anishinaabe. Your mother and your grandmother are wolf clan people. Don't forget. Also, you sweat bath yourself clean every day, even jump in the freezing lake, a thing that the Chamunkanung do not do. My girl, don't become like them. Just as the thought of Grandma made Omakaya smile, there was a flurry of stamping feet as children of all ages burst from the back door, leaping wide, flinging themselves forward in a laughing frenzy, thrilled with the prospect of new snow and ready to have their morning break, their fun, and then their small meal of smoked white fish and bread. Aye, Neshki, Angeline pointed in amazement, stepping with ease, easy care down the stairs of the schoolhouse, solemn, carrying his tobacco pipe pouch, his knife at his belt, was none other than Fishtail. What was he doing at the school? He did not join the children in their wild play, but walked directly from the school toward his camp. Fishtail lived at the very edge of the village, hidden in deep bush. His place was built the old way. It was a birch bark house, but it was quite warm in winter because he knew how to heap the sides with snow, and he was an excellent trapper. The interior of his house was always lined with strung skins hung with lush furs made up into sleeping robes and red and white point blankets. His wife, Angeline's best friend, Ten Snow, was known as a fine bead worker. People said that she tanned hides so soft that they felt to the skin like the slippery velvet that the trader sold. Let's find out what he's doing, whispered Angeline. He was visiting the school, said Omakaius. What's there to find out? I don't think so. Angeline pointed to the book, the chief of Chimikin paper, the evidence in Fishtail's hand that he had another motive in attending the school. Okay, said Omakaius, now curious. You go ask him. Aye, Angeline blushed. Scared? No, I'm not. You are so. Challenged, Angeline jumped forward. She walked so swiftly after Fishtail that Omakaius ran to keep up. But when she got to him, she walked beside him with no word. Didn't she know what to say? Omakaius trotted behind with just within earshot. What were you doing back there? Angeline finally had the courage to ask. I went to the preschool to learn to read the Chimikman's tracks. That way they can't cheat us with the treaties. Surprised and taken aback at this, Angeline and Omakaius could only stand still and watch him as he walked swiftly, gracefully back to his home. They turned to go, still thoughtful. The sun was warm as summer, and by the time they returned, all the snow had melted in the heat. They took the same path back they had taken before, and as they neared the cabin, all of a sudden, Omakaius felt a wet slap and a sharp stinging blow on the back of her head. It was Pinch. Dancing with gleeful anger, foot to foot, his snowballs so watery only the pebbles are their centers were left in a pile around his feet. He nevertheless insisted on his revenge. 
I said I'd get you, and I got you, he yelled. I'm the warrior, big pinch. Not long after that first bright snow, another snow fell, grayer and heavier. The ice came in. The water had a transparent skim that broke apart and clinked and clicked together, then went solid again until they formed a tough gray coat of ice. Dede surely had stopped to camp and to wait until the ice was thick before moving on. It snowed steadily and long, three days. While the snow fell outside, Angeline's friend, Ten Snow, used the red cloth Dede had brought last summer as trim for a blue trade cloth dress she and Angeline were making. It was a ribbon-trimmed, graceful dress. Mama had trimmed a matching shawl with thimbles so that when she walked, Angeline jingled softly and enticingly. Every so often now, she was allowed to visit Auntie Muskrat's house. That was the only place she was allowed to visit alone, for Auntie Muskrat kept a strict eye on her. Any young men who visited would have to stand or sit outside on Auntie's log bench while Angeline stayed, dancing foot to foot inside the cabin, craning out the window laughing. The snow fell deeper yet, and in its grip, Old Tallow had the best of luck. On the last day it snowed, she dragged from the farthest end of the island two plump beavers. The furs were thick and would fetch a good trade. She roped the beavers onto a little sled tied to another rope that circled her waist. Happily, she brought the meat to Mama and Grandma to prepare. She stayed in the yard smoking her little pipe while they made a fire outside to roast the meat over the coals. Although snow had fallen, Omakaius thought it would be truly winter until Old Tallow put on her remarkable coat. Every year, the children watched to see the coat emerge, big and shaggy and always different, sewed with new furs, patched with discarded calicoes, even velvets. Old Tallow would wear it until the earliest days of spring. But now, even though the cold already bit in the mornings, she wore only her one earth-colored dress with the raveled hem. She even looked a little too warm as she bent near the fire, pulling a burning stick out to relight, relight the new wad of tobacco in her pipe. She leaned back, adjusting her hat, and stared long at Omakaius. Omakaius looked into the fire. It was her job to keep smoothing and arranging the coals into an even bed for baking the meat, for baking the meat, but Tala's eyes on her back made her itch. Whenever old Tala looked at her like that, she could feel those fierce eyes resting on her skin. There was something peculiar in old Tallow's look, something different from the way she looked at every other human. It was something familiar, though, and this time as Omakais glanced back and caught a corner, just a little shred of that look, she suddenly understood. Old Tallow was looking at her the same way she looked at her dogs. This was not a bad thing. In fact, it was good in a way, for in Old Tallow's look, there was true affection, something she didn't feel for other humans. It made Omakaius feel strange and safe inside. She smiled to herself and had an odd, sudden, curious knowledge that if ever came to that, Old Tallow would protect her, Omakaius, with her life. She didn't know why. She knew that, but she just knew. Soon, Nokomis came out and took over poking the coals this way and that to evenly set them. Soon, she would burn a fine crust onto the skin. Beaver, or Amic, was Dede's favorite meat. 
He loved the burnt flavor of its fat, and Mama cooked it in a special way. As soon as the meat singed and slightly burnt, she cleaned the beavers, washed their carcasses with salted water, and stuffed them with corn and potatoes. She then sewed them shut and roasted them slowly in the big iron kettle. They sizzled in their own fat, and the acorns burned black. When the beavers were tender and completely cooked all through, she removed them, undid the meat from the bones, mixed the stuffing with the fried acorns, and cooked it all together in a soup once again. The aroma had old tallow pacing back and forth hungrily. She looked eager as her dogs, and when Mama ladled the soup into her bowl, she bent to it with a savage will. Eating swiftly, old tallow put away one bowl and then another while Mama was dishing up the rest of the meal. It was lucky she ate so quickly, though, and put away so much, for just as Pinch was wiping bread, wiping bread, Pizwazine, across the bottom of his bowl and opening his mouth to ask for more, there was a stamping and shouting outside. The dogs barked, then stopped when a familiar voice shouted, Gaigo! Gaigo! It was Day-Day! Come home! As if summoned across the new ice by his favorite dish, he arrived in time to eat until he could eat no more. That night, the children went upstairs and slept in the loft, and Nokomis slept there too, instead of downstairs beside Mama. Nokomis made her bed at the farthest end of the loft, where it was coolest. She put her old rabbit skin blanket down and slept on top of it. I sleep hot, she explained to the children. They didn't like to tell her, but she also slept noisy. Nokomis snored and often talked in her sleep, calling out to people from long ago. That night, Omakaius woke in the dark and listened to her grandmother's soft, regular breathing and then her murmur, half understandable, sometimes arguing and sometimes pleasant, as she dreamed old times and went visiting to places that only she remembered. <laughs>